Hello and welcome back to the Soccer Brothers Podcast. This is episode number 29. I'm your host, Sal Katarn. As always, I'm joined by my brother, Nihal. How you doing, Nihal? Uh, Sahil, you know what? I'm still a little bit down after uh, Columbus's performance yesterday in the MLS Cup Final. Um, but the holidays are just around the corner, and if you do celebrate Christmas, I highly recommend going to check out Ambitious Strike. Uh, they're a great soccer apparel company with some really, really cool clothing. If you're interested um, in buying their clothing for yourself or as a gift, uh, definitely go check them out uh, at ambitiousstrike.com. That's A-M-B-I-T-I-O-U-S-S-T-R-Y-K.com, and use the code BROTHERS for a 15% discount on your entire purchase. As always, the link is in the description, uh, so you can find you can find the link there. Yeah, but, definitely go, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, overall, sad to say that the MLS season's over. Uh, I'm sad that the crew lost, but we were at the match, and what an atmosphere. Let's talk about that first. What an atmosphere. The Portland Timbers away fans were amazing. Yeah, th- there's always that away section uh, for every crew game. They always sit in that one spot, but this time, they, they were... Arguably more noticeable than the Nordeca. I mean, at least from where we were sitting, uh, yeah, we could hear them better. And they were they were all over. Um, and Portland has a great fan base. Actually, um, uh, I was watching the Bucks Trailblazers game today in the NBA. I don't know if you saw that, but there were a couple a couple of Portland fans with uh, Timber stuff on. Um, yeah, I did. Yeah, so that was pretty cool to see. That you know, um, as much as I love Columbus and as much as I wanted them to win, I don't think there's any really any more deserving fan base than Portland in MLS. I mean, they they are just top-notch, um, and they bring it. They, the fans bring it, and they're, they're a relatively new team, and Caleb Porter is a great coach after a down year last year. Congratulations to them. I mean, that's the first thing we have to say. Congratulations. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to see what they can do in the future and if they can build off of this and, and continue to be very, very successful in the league. And I think they can. Yeah, I mean, I think with this whole American model of sports that MLS is trying to kind of create, you know, stay away from pro, uh, promotion relegation, try to get as many teams winning the title as possible. As a neutral fan, you, you can't really uh, be unhappy with Portland Timbers winning their first MLS Cup. No. Um, the only the only thing that, you know, the only thing that kind of sucks was that they had to lift the trophy in an empty stadium, right? Uh, yeah. Well, we were there. Well, yeah, we were there. We watched it. You have to. You have to stay. Because, yeah. I mean, we weren't only crew fans. We also were there for the podcast. And, uh, you know, it's just something that we thought, well, at least I, you wanted to leave, but I wanted to see the trophy presentation. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was just kind of disheartened. I thought I thought after that, well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it now. But, uh, yeah, Columbus crew lost at home 1-2 to two to the Portland Timbers. Uh, in the MLS oh, Cup Finals. In the MLS Cup Final, we did we did mention that before. But, uh, <laughs> I believe the twentieth the twentieth MLS Cup Final. Yeah, uh, the scoring started right away. Thirty five seconds in, Diego Valeri uh, got on the end of a Steve Clark blunder. Um, <laughs> what do you have to say about that? Cool. I mean, Portland's Portland's strategy throughout the match was the high press. Uh, especially in the beginning of the match, to, to have the uh, to have Columbus's players under duress. Um, really, it started off as a goal kick um, trap. I think it was Trap who passed it to Parkhurst, and then Parkhurst passed it back to uh, to uh, Clark. Par- oh no, no Parkhurst, Parkhurst passed it to Trap. trap. 
in a, in a bad position, and Trap passed it back to Park or uh, back to Clark, excuse me. And um, he tried to let it roll onto his left foot, and Valeri closed very very quickly, and was able to put it into the net. I mean, he, he, if you look at it uh, from you know the the, the goal the, or the net point of view. You can see they did get a bit air enough on it, uh, a bit of air on it, but just not enough to go over Diego Valeri's right leg. Yeah, I mean, great, great job by Portland in the press there. Um, really caught Columbus cold, um, and Columbus, you know, known for scoring scoring goals early in matches, um, and they were down two zero quickly. We'll get to the second goal in a second, but I mean, you just you have to say that. Wow, I mean, that was just a huge mistake, and it set the tone for the match. I, I think. An absolute, a dream start for Portland. Um, I mean, you can't really draw it up any better. 27, I think you said 35. Um, but anyway, like 30 seconds, the fastest goal in MLS Cup Finals history. I mean, uh, what, what more can you ask for? Um, I, I'm Do you think the fact that uh, Clark didn't boot the ball up the field was showing that uh, Baralter and, and the crew were trying to open up and gain some possession? Well, that's their style, oh, right? You see it with Everton. You see it with other clubs who try to play on the ground from the back. Um, I mean, there wasn't much of an opportunity to boot it forward, I, I don't think. Um, I mean, he could have cleared it. It, it was. It's difficult. It's a diff- I mean, anything's better than that. <laughs> well, yeah, but uh, yeah, you're right. I, I, I mean, I don't really know. It's not like Steve Clark meant to do that. You know, it's it's. But just the the whole attitude just seemed too passive in that moment. Well, it's I the mean, first, that, that it's the first minute, and that's that's. That's where you catch teams. That's how Columbus caught uh, the Red Bulls, right? Yeah, um, yeah, in the first leg. Yeah. So it, it's the first leg of the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, you're right, though. It was a very passive attitude um, and unfortunate, just an unfortunate error. And But like I said, I think it was a great job by Portland with their press. I think that's what they wanted to do. It, it, it was luck um, that... that Clark did that, but it also kind of wasn't because that's what Portland was trying to do, right? To, if not, maybe they weren't trying to exactly force a goal from Steve Clark, but force a bad pass, um, and or force you know force him force the crew out of possession, and they succeeded in that and ultimately got a goal from that. Um, but it was a horrific start. I mean, the stadium just was in shock, absolute shock when that happened. Yeah, that didn't help the momentum going in to the next few minutes, as we see in the seventh minute. Uh, Lucas Milano's cross into Wallace for the header, and Rodney Wallace uh, makes it 2-0 for the Timbers. Yeah, I mean, first we got to talk about how the ball was clearly out of bounds. I mean, I know we're crew fans, but can anyone dispute that? I mean, that was that was horrific, and you can you see the you can see that the linesman there, uh, I believe his name was Corey Parker, something like that. He was looking across the field. Uh, he wasn't looking. He wasn't looking at whether the ball was out of bounds. And just an absolutely shocking, shocking call. And those are the calls you have to make. I understand referees make mistakes all the time in other leagues, but I mean that's something that you really have got to see. And you know maybe, uh, maybe it brings the question: Do you add another referee onto the field? I think that's something that not not like a head referee, but not like. Well, two I think this is. Clearly, an individual mistake. So, I mean, I, I don't think you can bring rules into it that much. It no, just... I know, but you see stuff like that a lot, right? I mean, the the line the linesman has to cover a lot. Uh, I mean, I'm not, it's not it's inexcusable. It's terrible. But you know, Chani was trying to dribble out of bounds. It seemed to pick it up to throw it in. Nagby kept on playing. 
uh, Nagby out to Valeri, and Valeri with a, oh no, Milano, excuse me, Nagby out to Milano, um, and just an absolute uh, peach of a cross, you'd have to say, um, and Wallace with a great run, great finish off his head, uh, caught, they caught the defense napping, um, Afu wasn't able to stay on him, just a great header, um, and then what happened afterwards is absolutely disgraceful from the crew fans throwing, pelting them with beer cans. I understand you're angry, but I mean, that's ridiculous. That's, that's something that, you know, American fans, uh, myself included sometimes talk about separating us from, you know, other fans. When we, when the American outlaws tra- travel to Central America, they, they, they get pelted with stuff. That's obviously not representative, representative of the fan bases or people as a whole. But in, in such a big stage, it's just ridiculous. And it's not, you know, I've been to many crew matches, and it's not something I've ever seen before. Um, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it, I just, it doesn't give a good impression on the, not only fans, but just the club as a whole. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's... We heard the, you know, PA guy yeah. have to say, like, you know, don't <laughs> throw things. I mean, it's it's the MLS Cup final. The, the whole American soccer community's eyes are on you. I think it's. I understand you're angry. It was a blown call. You're down two zero in seven minutes. But I mean, that's just that's inexcusable. Uh, that being said, like I said, uh, it, it, Nagby kept on playing. Milano with a nice cross. You got to keep on playing there yeah, until you hear a whistle. You can't. Uh, there's just no reason to. Okay. There's absolutely when, no reason. When to you're stop. complaining, you're complaining because he said the ball's in play. So why? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? It doesn't make no, sense doesn't to make stand sense. there. It's like when when defenders raise their hand because they think a player is offside and stop playing. Well, that's not going to do. That's not going to help you. Um, I think it's a little bit different if it's out of bounds because it's clearly out of bounds, so you stop playing, right? Um, which you know you still have to. If you don't hear the whistle, you got to keep on playing. Heads up play by Nagby. Um, but, but even afterwards, it's like they're like trying to doing it for pride, just standing there. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah. Uh, I mean. I mean, it's ridiculous, but you know, uh, you know, credit to how they developed the play was really uh, took advantage of their opportunity from yeah. Portland. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but uh, so crew, you know, got a couple more chances uh, before their next goal. Uh, took control a little bit more, and in the 18th goal, Kai Kamara. 18th after- minute. Sorry. That's what I said. You said 18th goal. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, in the 18th minute, somehow uh, Kamara got a shot past Kawara. Say, um, I mean, another- very jammy, very jammy. Ed. <laughs> Is that a technical term? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's why you, that's why they listen to the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Kawara say who's the Ghanaian national team starting goalkeeper? Might add, um, I mean, he absolutely. I don't even know what was going on there. He went up for the ball dropped it. Kamara came in between him and the ball, still couldn't get a handle on it. Kamara was able to actually just stand there, I mean, unchallenged, stand there for like five seconds, and then it was able to slot it home. And very, very lucky goal for the crew. But, you know, at that point, the the, the crowd really got back into it, and you thought, wow, the crew might go on, get, get a goal, get some more chances, but there really weren't any more chances for them, and that was their only shot on target in the match. Um... So, I mean, 
it, it was a goal the crew needed, and credit to Kai Kamara for being heads up and for being able to slot that home. We obviously we saw how good he was at goal scoring, being a joint top goal scorer this year with uh, Sebastian Javinko. But uh, I mean, yeah, I mean uh, that was just a terrible goalkeeping. Two two goalkeeping errors. I mean, it was just an ugly, ugly match. So the there's two goalkeeping er- errors. One of the one of the the second goal was out of bounds. I mean, uh, it was just some really I don't know. Yeah, it, it was yeah. a very ugly match. Well, yeah, we'll talk about more about like the big picture of you know how how this game poorly represented the league or whatever. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but at that point we saw the crew in the first half start to take possession. But I I, I don't think that was you know the Timbers. Fall. I mean, I think I think that's kind of what they're going for. We've seen Caleb Porter change his approach so many times in the playoffs. I mean, in the first leg, he goes on attacking against FC Dallas. In the second leg, he switches it up, but still manages to score two goals. And in this game, after he captures those two goals, they were just pretty organized. I mean, besides that goalkeeping blunder. Yeah, very very organized. And and I wanna I wanna I wanna hit on something that you said there. Caleb Porter adapted his style of play to the situation, and it seemed like that's something that the crew failed to do. Uh, throughout the playoffs. You know, in this match, Porter started Milano instead of Espria, um, maybe to keep up with uh, Waylon Francis on the, because he thought he'd do a better job with Waylon Francis on the left side there, um, defending. Um, you know, it, 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 he, he makes the right subs. He, he changes the game plan. Um, you know, we saw him adapt late in the season, putting Nagby in the center of midfield. Columbus played one style of soccer the whole year. Um, and, you know, it... it Especially once they got Harrison Awful, it all came up that right wing um, with Awful, um, and they, they really had no other options. I thought, really, Justin Miram was the only bright attacking player for the crew in this match. And Yeah, I mean, it, w- it wasn't often that I saw Kai Kamar in a good position to, you know, take a cross. Well, we saw early on the crew was pinched way too far. Um Inside, uh, you know, Finley wasn't able to use his pace. I, he was a non-factor. Miram was in the central of the field, and you know that really is the crew's game plan to overload the right side, and um, with Finley and Awful and Portland defended d- defended brilliantly. Uh, they knew that that's what the crew wanted to do, um, and when when the crew tried to over uh, overload that right side, they had with Kamara drifting wide, uh, with Awful over there. Um, and with Finley, each player was man-marked. You had Rodney Wallace guarding Awful. You had Diego Chara um, guarding uh, Ethan Finley. You had Viafania coming over and guarding Kai Kamara, Viafania um, from left back. And then you had the center backs, Liam Ridgewell and Nat Borchers, who were so solid in the center. Um, and I want to talk about, you know, maybe having a, a DP defender is not a bad idea. I mean, it's something that's defending is something that's seriously lacking in this league. But that being said, um, you know, the crew, uh, Trap, Chani, Finley, Iguain, Kamara, Afu, even Miram were all on the right side with Waylon Francis by himself on the left. And the Port- Portland, trip to, uh, Portland players uh, defended it beautifully. Um, like I said, Valeri was, was on Chani, Adi was tracking Trap, and there was just, they had possession but they really couldn't do anything. The crew had position, but they couldn't really do anything with it. And then uh, on the other side, you had Lucas Milano just man-marking 
Waylon Francis. So that long switch was difficult. I mean, there were some opportunities we saw that the crew may have passed up um, uh, to, to switch fields. But for the most part, Milano was on Francis. Um, and that's, uh, you know, and, and this type of defending. The crew led MLS in, in open play crosses. They had almost 20 a game. And in this game, they did. They had 27, but they only completed three, which is about 11%. They led the league in, in cross um, completion percentage in 28% this year. So uh, the Portland forced bad crosses. They forced Awful to be uncomfortable on the right there. They didn't let Finley get out, out wide. Uh, there was abs- Besides Awful, there was no width. Francis didn't really get involved in the play. Um, Iguain couldn't find the pockets. I, I think uh, I saw uh, glimpses of creativity from Iguain, but it just... I mean, well, he Portland was closed down really well. so quickly, right? Borchers and, uh, Borchers and Ridgewell were so good back there. And when it wasn't them, Chara was there too. Uh, really, that's why we, we saw Iguain drop deeper and deeper into midfield. Um, and then there was a 10-minute period or so when it was just Iguain and uh, Trap in midfield before Saeed came on. Um where he was dropping way deeper. Um, and, you know, Higuain does his best work when he's underneath the strikers. You saw him very, very limited. You know, he, it was it was either vert, it, it was a lot of vertical movement. He wasn't able to drift wide like Valeri. Valeri was all over the place. He was on the left side, the right side. He was putting in crosses. Um, he was great on the counterattack. Whereas, uh, and we have to say Valeri was the finals MVP. I don't think we mentioned that. Um but um, on, on the other hand, Iguain, you know, just vertical movement, um, wasn't really able to get involved. And it's a credit to Chara and surprisingly Nagby, too. Nagby, I thought, was great defensively. Uh, he made some nice tackles. Uh, he was always in position. And, I mean, if he can develop that part of his game, uh, I mean, he needs to play centrally for the U.S. Um, but, I mean, that midfield, Valeri, Trap, Nag- or Valeri Chara, Nagby is so good. And you thought maybe Trap, Chani, and Iguain was good enough to match up with them, especially with Kamara up top. But, uh, I mean, they weren't able to. I, th- I think before the game, uh, you could say that Portland can win the midfield battle, but uh, with the width from uh, Columbus, they, they can, you know, get some crosses into Kamara, get some goals. But if Finley's a non-factor and Miram is pinching in that much and you, you can't win the midfield, then you can't really win the game. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, you know, Kamara drifting wide, I, we will say, apparently Kamara picked up a bruise in training. I don't think that really affected it, but maybe you could see he wasn't as active. But I just thought he was—he drifted out wide a little too much, don't you think? Yeah, I agree. Um, it, you know, it, it, I don't know. It, the, Portland's defense did a great job. Viafania and Powell um, were always overlapping, especially Powell. But they did a great job tracking back, as did Milano and Aspria on the right side um, when Milano went off, um, and Rodney Wallace on the left side. They were always tracking back. They were always uh, covering the overlapping run of the fullbacks, uh, Full and Harris, um, Francis, excuse me. And uh, they just—I thought they did a fantastic job. And credit to Portland, they uh, Caleb Porter set up this team in, in a manner in which they they could succeed, and in the manner which they could do very very well. That high press. Um, worked really well. They took away passing lanes. Um, but as I said, I mean, they were they were just so good. Uh, and, and Cruz, the Columbus Cruz plan to overload that right side didn't really work. Um, and they, they tried to add a little bit of spark of energy with Cedric Mabwati's substitution. 
Uh, at times he looked like he, I mean, at times he looked pretty good, but I mean, still a similar game plan, right? And you know, it seemed like the crew just couldn't get anything going. And when they had opportunities, they couldn't get a shot on target, or it seemed like they passed it up to over and overcomplicated it. You know, you'd like to see in some of those situations for them to just take a shot. Uh, do you have anything to say about that? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I agree. One shot on target is just, it's just it's unacceptable. Awful. It's awful. Um, I mean, like you said, Columbus had 61% of the possession. They outpassed Columbus, or they outpassed Portland 489 to 314, but that doesn't matter. Portland uh, were not, were always the more dangerous team. They were always in control, you felt like. Um, and they had some great opportunities on the counterattack. Adi, um, uh, headed it off the, off the post, right? And then it went back into Clark, and he almost put it into his own net. Um, that was pretty late on. Yeah, in the 71st minute. Yeah, there was the other chance that went off Parker's hand on the goal line. Um, so, I mean, they had opportunity. There's the other one. Remember when Lucas Milano cut in and just absolutely bottled it? Yeah. Um, Speaking of Milano, I mean, we saw Spria actually p- play pretty well against, uh, against FC Dallas in that second leg, but... Uh, Caleb Porter made the right decision starting Milano over. I mean, he was part of the uh, second goal. Yeah, uh, well, the first the first leg, too, remember he had that amazing shot, Espria did. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Milano, he scored the last goal, the, the clincher for Portland against FC Dallas. Remember that? Where yeah. he dribbled around the whole defense. But like I said, I think maybe uh, Milano was more committed to covering Waylon Francis, um, more committed to... to to a defense, to his defensive responsibilities, to cutting the passing lanes, and would stay in his position, and I think that's maybe why, uh, that's that's maybe why Porter chose to play Milano. I mean, that's that's what I could gather because, like you said, Espria played very well, and their depth is just ridiculous. I mean, you have players like Espria and Aruti coming off the bench, and then maybe Paparato in defense. I mean, that's just that's crazy. Obviously. I mean, we're not going to talk about it today, but Aruti is out of contract. He was, he was, uh, I, I believe his option wasn't picked up by Portland, so he won't be there next year. But he's a good MLS striker, and I think he can su- succeed with the team. And to have these guys off the bench is just such a, I mean, it's just such a privilege, really, for, for, for Porter. And they just, they have done a great job building a team that's not only good on the field, that's not only technically good with players like Nagby, Valeri, and a player like Adi who can hold a player, but a deep team and a team that's willing to buy into Caleb Porter's system, which I think we've seen develop over the last three years, and he's really become one of the elite coaches in MLS, you have to say. Um, And I'm just excited to see what he can do, what what Porter can do with this team going forward. Remember, Portland started out the season a lot like last year. They started off playing not very well. Uh, Diego Valeri was injured, Will Johnson. Well, I didn't even mention Will Johnson. He was, he, I mean, he played, I mean, he didn't even, he didn't even get into this match, I don't think. Um, no. So, I mean, they have, the, oh, wait, wait, they have all these players. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just such a good team. And, you know, this is why they were the team, if LA, once LA lost, you felt like Portland was the team that was going to get to the finals, I thought. Um, yeah. I wasn't sure before the the first leg, but I, I, yeah, I thought Portland would come out and yeah, yeah. Do, do, do what they had to do in the second leg against Dallas, right? Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, just like I, like I've been saying, like I've been reiterating, credit to credit to Portland Timbers. They just they did a fantastic job. They they had a game plan. They executed it almost perfectly, with exception to the one mistake from Quarase. And they defended very well. They counterattacked very well. Maybe could have had three or four goals in this. Um, so you know, obviously that that play call or that not that play call, the call, the out of bounds call was horrible, and it definitely affected the match. And you know, it might have been a completely different match, but despite, I mean, one shot on target's unacceptable. Um, I mean, I don't know. It, it, Columbus just didn't come out to play, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. But the app, I mean, I, the atmosphere was amazing. Yeah, yeah, it, it was insane. Full house. Um, it, it, it was great. I mean, you know, I, I honestly, I think. The the last time I was at the last time I was at Cruz Stadium and there was anything even close to that was was the U S Mexico game, um, and I mean even then it was a little bit different because there was such a there was such a big Portland Timber contingency at this match, um, so I mean that was cool to see uh, there weren't very many Mexico fans I mean that being said I I think by far USA Mexico was the best sporting event I've ever been to in my life. Uh, but I mean, it's just Columbus did a great job. They did a great job promoting it, uh, promoting the cup too. Everywhere I went around the city, um, there was ads. That, you know, people were really getting excited on Ohio State's campus. You know, I saw Columbus Crew hats and scarves and Glory to Columbus shirts, which were, were pretty cool to see. Um, unfortunately, they weren't able to get it done for the city. Um, so Columbus, as a city, still has only one professional championship, and that's the Crew in two thousand eight. Yeah, I won't get a chance until uh, that 2016 season, which we're all look, uh, looking well, forward the blue, to. the Blue Jackets, maybe. Oh, yeah. Okay, <laughs> fine. The crew won't get yeah. a chance. But, but uh, before we move past this game, uh, I just wanted to talk a little bit about, um, from an outsider's point of view, how this didn't really bode well for MLS. Because, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people are watching this as their only MLS game they've they've watched or they're going to watch all season. And if you see bad refereeing bottles being thrown. It kind of turns you away, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think you're right about that. I don't think it was the best. Uh, I, it wasn't best for the league, especially, it was two small market teams, too. I think if it, if it were in Portland, it might have been a little bit different, too, for people to see that atmosphere, but I think also to, for people to see this atmosphere, to see a, a town like Columbus with a full stadium is something that's good for the league. To see an exciting match like this despite the bad referee calls, besides uh, all the extra stuff, um, you know, that might be something that turns you on to the league. It's exciting. Um, but, yeah, you know, if you have a system where there's one-off or two, you know, a series of two, um, you're going to have you're gonna have games like this. We see it at the World Cup. We see it in MLS playoffs. We see it in cup matches. Teams, it's ugly soccer, it's chippy soccer. We even see it in the NFL. I mean, teams like the Giants, they don't play pretty football, but they, they get it done in December and January. Um, you know, it, 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 that's, that's what it lends itself to. You know, if this is your only match you're going you're gonna to see, you're not going to see how well Portland and FC Dallas played against each other in that first leg or how well um, the Red Bulls played throughout the season and how, be- how beautiful their soccer was. And even at times, the crew this season um, played some very, very pretty soccer, and they're capable of it. Um, but it, it just comes with the territory of, of it being a one-off match, you know? Um, and I think hopefully that's something that 
informed football fans uh, understand, right? Um, obviously, there's always they're always going to be predisposed to think of MLS as a lower league because obviously we're not there yet. We're twenty we're twenty years young. Um, it's uh, it's widely considered a retirement league. We know we we as fans and as MLS avid MLS fans know how exciting this league is and how far we've come. But you're right. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a pretty performance. And even in the U.S., you know, for for the new, for the uh, maybe casual soccer fan or a you know a, a fan who's only interested in European soccer. Maybe it wasn't the best showing. Um, I mean, you have the numbers. How many? What, what, what was the percentage drop off in, in viewership? Yeah. So, fifty uh, percent more people watched uh, last year's MLS Cup final between LA Galaxy and New England Revolution. Um, yeah, yeah, and you know, I, I think that's a product of. Uh, it's really a product of uh, the, the teams that were there: Portland and Columbus, two small market teams. Uh, last year with LA, you had Landon Donovan's last year. You had players like Robbie Keane. Um, New England, obviously, is a pretty big market. Boston's a soccer town. Um, so, I mean, that's really it. I, I don't think this has there's any indication um, that soccer is and MLS aren't growing because they clearly are. We see it uh, every day. Um, we see it every year. Um, it's just the teams, you know. It's like when the Astros and Royals play. I mean, half the people don't – half the people don't care, you know. Um a Lakers-Celtics finals is going to get much more viewership than anything else, right? I mean, that's how it is. Um, 50% yeah. is staggering, though. That's a pretty big number. Um, In just one year, yeah. Yeah. But it, re- it really has to do with the teams. And it, MLS not only has a problem with getting, you know, people who only like European soccer um, outside outside people, you know, people from outside the country to watch the sport. Um, it's also gaining that neutral fan. You know, there's, there's not very many neutral fans in the league. There's people who are fans of their teams and don't watch other MLS, right? Yeah. That's, that's pretty common. Um, you know, you and I, we watch pretty much everything um, in MLS. You know, we watch MLS as much as we can. We started watching, you know, we started watching MLS before we really developed a connection with the crew. Um because we're always holding out hope for a Wisconsin team, right? Um, yeah, uh, yeah. But it'll be interesting to see if that happens, what happens to our fandom. Uh, so, but... Yeah, I, I hope... How, how many teams do you want in MLS? One? Well, th- there's talks of expanding to 28. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. I saw 28. Um, I mean, it's just such a big country. I think it would be cool. Uh, I really like the idea of maybe having just two separate conferences and having them not play each other. At all until the finals. Yeah. If if you go if you go up to that, the um, only disappointing part of that is there, there are probably more soccer specific stadiums, so we won't get to see that many games in Columbus for the U.S. national team. Well, there there'll always be U.S. Mexico here. Um, they'll always have in the first in the first round of the hex for the U.S. They'll probably always have a match here. Uh, I mean, they don't really have any friendlies here anyway. Yeah, sure. So, March 29th, though, the U.S. is coming to Columbus. So, to play Guatemala. We should go to that game. Uh, we are. <laughs> we are? Yeah. I'm going to try to get media credentials. We're going to apply. It might be too late. I have to look into that. Okay, yeah. 
Yeah, that would be, be awesome, though. <laughs> yeah, it would be. Um, yeah, so uh, congratulations to the Timbers. Uh, it was an exciting MLS season, and um, I've, you know, b- before I was kind of, I mean, th- this is a season for me personally where I just really started to uh, enjoy watching MLS. Before it was just, you know, I wanted to gr- watch, if, I want, if you want American soccer to grow, you have to watch MLS, but now it's, I've just realized that it, it really is just as exciting um, as some of Europe's top le- top leagues. Yeah, and it is, and in some ways, it's more exciting. It's not that does, that's not to say it's as technically sound. Uh, the tactics aren't the best. The defending is not that great. That doesn't take away from its entertainment value. And if you're if you're going into it expecting to see Barcelona and Real Madrid play, I mean, then what are you doing? I mean, you don't you don't you don't watch um, Bournemouth versus Sunderland. I mean, that's and expect to see the same type of quality you see versus Man- you see in Manchester City versus uh, Arsenal, right? And even then, yeah, those matches can be pretty bad. They can be pretty ugly, if you, especially if Manchester United is involved. Um, but, Actually, yeah. So, so sometimes the Champions League, especially in like the second league, uh, the second legs, excuse me, of, of uh, ties, can be very park the busy and yeah. Um, but the, that's what I said. That's that's the format, yeah. right? If you watch MLS regular season, the soccer is completely different, especially since really the goal is to make the playoffs. So dropping points is something you, you're able to do. Um, you have that leeway. Uh, so it's just different. You know, it's different. I, 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 I love watching it. I think it's just, I think it's so exciting. Um, and, and you have to, you have to go into it with an open mind. You can't go. You can't go into it trying to compare the quality of soccer to higher leagues. Um, I mean, it's getting better, but it's just so. I think that's ridiculous, right? I mean, the quality in Serie A is very, very high, but I enjoy watching MLS more. You know, and that's not to say MLS is more exciting objectively. Uh, that's just my personal preference, uh, and you know, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to judge anyone, including you, Sahel, for liking Serie A more. I mean, it's 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 great soccer to watch. It's tactically very. I mean, tactically, it might be the best league in the world. Um, don't you think so? I would say so. Uh, yeah, I mean, I. I they, they yeah, don't, they well, do. not Roma, actually. No, no, honestly, I just think. <laughs> no, because like honestly, I feel like. Uh, let me let me think of a good I example. Mean, the defense- like Inter Milan could go up against. We got a. We, what, did, what was the score again that we had against Barcelona? Six one. Yeah, yeah. So, so I feel like even like Sampdoria or Atalanta, some mid-table team could only lose two zero or three zero because of how defensively yeah, organized. They, they know how to defend. Yeah. In Syria. But Roma is just Rudy Garcia is a terrible manager. So. Man, just... <laughs> yeah, we, we won't get into that. We'll, we'll get into that <laughs> later. Yeah, uh, we're gonna have a lot more time to talk about European soccer now. Um, oh, MLS ending. It's so sad. Uh, but yeah, but we'll also get to see all if it's anywhere as exciting as last year's January transfer window. Then there'll be a lot going on uh, this January 2016 for MLS too. Carlos Vela, hopefully? Question mark. <laughs> we'll see. Do you bring all the Mexicans. To <laughs> well, I wish you got how well is Chicharito playing? He was he was named Bundesliga Player of the Month. Yeah, he he's he's he's, he's fantastic. Fire. You used to say Josie was better. I you honestly said that like like at least a year ago. I just I okay, Chicharito is in a place where he's succeeding. I just think Chicharito at one point maybe it's because he wasn't playing for Manchester United that much, 
I mean, there's just chances he was just missing, like, straight up. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he's... there was that one year where Chicharito didn't score any, and Josie scored, like, 30. Obviously, it's in a lower league, but, you know. I feel, I feel like Chicharito, I yeah, should... you're, you're right. He is dependent kind of on the environment that he's in. Yeah. So if he was playing a Sunderland environment, well, I don't know how he would do. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I mean, yeah. Chicharito's a better player. I mean, there's no question. The, yeah, definitely. Technically, speed, everything. Yeah, well, not yeah. strength, but... I mean, yeah. Who yeah, yeah, overrates Josie's strength? What do you mean? That's his hold-up play. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. uh, He's why, one inch taller than Aaron Johansson. Why, why don't we move to the league that I now know <laughs> you despise? Serie A. Did you say the league I despise? Yeah, I, I, sorry, I don't want to bore you too much with details. We'll, okay, we'll skim by up. this really quickly. That's not what I was saying. <laughs> uh, so Lazio lost 0-2 to to Juventus at home. Uh, Paulo Dybala, man, what? Well, <laughs> Incredible. Se- yeah, seven goals Incredible. on the season. Um, where was he at last year again? Uh, Palermo. Yeah, Palermo. I mean, he, what? I mean, we all knew he was going to be great, but that he had a, an absolute... Cracker of a shot. I mean, he he brought it up and then he he just volleyed it. He brought it up by himself from, from what 30, 35 yards out. I mean, that was incredible. Yeah, they, they ended up winning two nothing. Marchetti had no chance. Yeah, the first goal was an own goal by Santiago Gentiletti in the seventh minute, which was just woeful. He he literally he like <laughs> <laughs> that looked like a poach. Like that was like yeah, it was a great finish. <laughs> <laughs> he like he. He just put it into the time. I think, yeah, it was on, like, the top of the net. It was on, like, yeah. the upper, like, part. <laughs> what was he trying to do? Put it over the bar? I mean, he was blocked off a little bit, his his sight line. Um, yeah, I mean, still, it was kind of bad. Yeah, I, I think I he also know. had uh, Manjukic right there near with him. Yeah. So he was trying to get it out, but... Well, Juventus, <laughs> after that terrible start, they're in, they're in fifth place now. They're only six points off at Inter Milan um, for first place. Only one point behind Roma uh, for fourth. So it's good. I mean, there. Right now, Serie A, in terms of who's going to be the champion, who's going to win the Scudetto, is probably the most interesting in the big European leagues. Yeah, I would say don't rule out Fiorentina at first. Well, I mean, who's ruling out? Who's at ruling beginning out it was. Well, I mean, just based on talent, I, I think I can't remember his name right now. Uh, but the Basel manager came over over the summer from. Um, yeah, Basel, <laughs> and then to, to Fiorentina, and uh, with Paulo Sosa, yeah, yeah and he's Paulo done an excellent job uh, with the talent that he's had. Oh wow, yeah, yeah. exciting to watch. Um, I mean, they—they're—I mean, they've scored thirty goals and conceded twelve this season. Uh, I mean, that's that's great. Yeah, Inter Milan are in first place right now with thirty-three points. Um, they've scored eighteen goals. That's it in fifteen matches, but they've only allowed nine. That's insane. Yeah, oh, wow. yeah. Roma have given Roma have scored thirty and but given up eighteen. Roma are just a mess. They they need to move on from Rudy Garcia. Yeah, uh, a lot of people are saying that the the next match, which is going to be on Wednesday against Bay Borisov in the Champions League, will determine whether he stays or at least if he loses, he he will be gone. Which yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's one, about time. I think one thing to be really excited about is just. Miralem Pjanic's form this year, though. Seven goals and five assists in 15 Serie A matches from central midfield? I mean, that's, yeah, that's it's, great. it's crazy. I, I saw a statistic uh, on Twitter. I think out of any player in Europe's top five leagues, he's been directly related to the most percentage of a team's goals. Yeah. 
well, that's 12 out of the 30 Roma have scored already, and that's only goals and assists, right? That's that doesn't. Yeah. He's probably involved in much more uh, of the goals. So, uh, I mean, you know, he's tied for first in assists, and he's tied for fourth in goals. That's crazy. It's too bad we won't see him in the Euros, though. Yeah. Do we, yeah, we talked about that. We'll, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, why don't we move over to Germany? Uh, a lot happened in Germany over the weekend, but we're going to talk about Wolfsburg losing at home to Dortmund, one to two. Crazy uh, match. Yeah, crazy match. Why don't you go into it? Uh, well, early on in the match, um, Wolfsburg, or sorry, excuse me, Dortmund took the one zero lead. Um, Marco Royce rounds the goalkeeper um, and scores a goal off of, off of a terrible, terrible giveaway from the Wolfsburg central midfielder uh, Gila Vogi. I think is how you pronounce it. Um, he's a defensive midfielder. He just gives uh, Materian, um, takes the ball off him in his own third um, and pushes it forward all in one touch um, to Royce. He's credited with the assist Materian is, and Royce is able to round um, Benaglio and score. Um, nice goal. Then, very, very late in the match, in the 90th minute, um, Andre Schirla, who's interestingly enough playing behind the striker now, um, and Julian Draxler is playing out wide for Wolfsburg. I think that's just interesting. Um, uh, Schirla is taken down um, controversially uh, between Subotic and uh, Piszczek. Uh, Wolfsburg are awarded the penalty. Uh, Rodriguez slots at home. Um, this is all at home for Wolfsburg, by the way. And then straight straight down the field um, in the 93rd minute, Kagawa is able to score a nice uh, nice finish, a nice tap-in. It's not really a tap-in. It was a nice finish um, off of a nice cross from Materi and his second assist of the match um, to yeah. take the three points. Even uh, before that, Pease checks ball over the defense. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I should have mentioned that. Yeah. So now, now, now Dortmund are in second place, only five points behind Bayern. Bayern dropped points against Borussia Dortmund this weekend. They lost three to one. Um, and they were never really in that match. Ribéry scores a late goal. Uh, uh, not Fabian Johnson. Uh, the team is not Fabian Johnson. Uh, Borussia <laughs> Gladbach uh, were up 3 nothing. So, Yeah, I mean, if you, if you look at the table, uh, you know, Dortmund only five points off first. But in my eyes, really, they're closer to third place than first, just because it's Bayern Munich. <laughs> well, I, I think Dortmund has, is securely in second place. I don't think anyone's catching them. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't think so. I mean, none of those teams are really as consistent I mean, as Dortmund will be. Bayern Munich, forty-three goals scored and eight goals conceded. That's insane. And that's just after a three-three-one loss. Yeah, that's their first loss of the season. Um, and I'm in third and fourth place, uh, American one and American two, Mönchengladbach are in third, and at the Berlin, John of Brooks are in fourth. So both scored goals over the weekend. We could, yeah, we could see two Americans in the Champions League from uh, from the Bundesliga next year. Do you think that will happen, though? That, that, that would mean Wolfsburg misses out, Schalke misses out, Leverkusen misses out? I mean, it, it's possible. What what makes it not possible? And the crazy thing is uh, Ingolstadt, who are in 11th place, that's where Alfredo Morales plays, they're only six points off third place. I mean, that's not, wow, very, yeah. that's not very far off. The difference between third and um, 11th place is six points. And that's really why Dortmund and Bayern Munich have been able to separate themselves. I mean, the... Uh, below that, everyone is beating each other. Mönchengladbach Gladbach lost five in a row to start the season. <laughs> now they're in third place. Yeah, in third place, yeah. So, yeah, it'll be exciting to see what happens uh, with Champions League and Europa League spots there. Yeah. 
All right, uh, why don't we move over into the the news that uh, the U.S. women's national team actually canceled their next friendly uh, due to turf conditions. Well, it's not their next friendly. It was supposed to happen yesterday um, or the day before. Yeah, due to turf conditions in Aloha Stadium in Hawaii, uh, which is actually in FIFA. Did you know that? It's actually in FIFA video game. Why? I, I don't know. <laughs> that was the That's where they play the Pro Bowl, right? Yeah. That was the only American stadium before CenturyLink Field this year um, in the game. But, yeah, you know, the field conditions were terrible. You could see pictures of it. I mean, it's it, – first of all, turf in general is just terrible for soccer. Um, and MLS needs to get rid of it. And, I mean, the women's game, FIFA and CONCACAF, they just – they don't care. Uh, U.S. soccer failed to vet the field, to vet the, the turf, um, which is essential. Um and uh, it's it's just a shame that uh, this it has to come to this. Um, it, it, they, the, the fact that the World Cup this year was played on turf um, is, is an absolute disgrace. Uh, I mean, it's just unfortunate. You know, I wanted to yeah. I wanted to touch on it, um, just to talk about uh, they deserve better. They really do. Um, from U.S. soccer, from Concacaf. Uh, from uh, from FIFA. I agree. All right. Yeah, why don't we move on to uh, our next segment, which is my brother's top five Americans abroad. Uh, who do you who do you have for us today? All right. Before I get started, it was a great weekend, I think, for Americans abroad. Um, Sahil, if you disagree, feel free to say something. You know, this is not this is not you know I could be wrong. It's a subjective list. All right, let's start at number five. DeAndre Yedlin started and played 90 minutes um, in Sunderland's 3-1 loss versus Arsenal. Unfortunately, he did pick up a yellow card uh, in the 80th minute, but he had a goal line clearance uh, off of a Giroud header, which was pretty good, um, but did lose. Also, he got absolutely destroyed by Ozil in a line that went viral. I don't know if you saw that. Um, but it's, no, it's a great learning experience for him. Great to see that he started in a match against a, against a very good team. Um, playing in that right back slash wing back position, um, so it, it it's good. I'm just glad that he's playing, uh, and it's good for him to start in such a big match and play the whole match. And you want to see him in that fullback role for the national team? So. Yes, I do. I've talked about that many times. He's got to play there. Uh, Eric Lehigh, number four, um, the Nottingham Forest uh, fullback, uh, played started and played 90 minutes in this match and had a game winning assist in the. Uh, early on uh, in a 3-0 win versus Fulham. So game-winning assist, meaning he assisted the first goal. It was actually it was actually a bicycle uh, kick across the face of goal that was headed in. Uh, it's, it was pretty spectacular. Uh, Sahel, you got to go check that out after this, after we st- st- uh, stop recording. Um, absolutely fantastic. Number three, Jeff Cameron, started and played 90 minutes for Stoke City in a huge win, 2-0 win versus Manchester City. Um Great win for them. Stoke City are, of course, in the Capital One Cup semifinals. Uh, they'll be playing Liverpool in January. My Everton will be playing Manchester City in January. Um, so exciting times for Jeff Cameron. And Sahil, you know what's interesting about this? Jeff Cameron played in defensive midfield and by all accounts was great. And think about that. In defensive midfield against um, against the likes of Sterling and De Bruyne. Um, so uh, I think that's exciting to see him play there. And I think... He might be the defensive midfielder we're looking for. Um, 
and you can play maybe John Brooks and uh, Matt Beasler or J- Matt Miazga and Matt Beasler and move uh, uh, Jeff Cameron to defensive midfield. I'd be really, I'd be really excited to see something yeah, like that. Yeah, def- definitely opens up the options. Well, I mean, yeah. he was so good there, um, and he it seems like he has a good rapport with uh, Michael Bradley. All right, number two. I think this is where you disagree with me. John Brooks for Erta Berlin started and played 90 minutes and scored a game-winning goal in the 60th minute for Erta Berlin in a 2-1 victory over Bayer Leverkusen. A huge match that propelled them into third place. John Brooks, a thunderous header off the corner, kind of reminiscent of the Ghana one, but just even more, just even more powerful. Great header. Um, great to see him firmly cement himself back in the starting lineup. Very, very exciting. And then number one, the man in form, Fabian Johnson, uh, four goals in 10 days, um, uh, a brace last week and a goal in Champions League a few days before. He scored a goal, played 90 minutes, and started in a, a massive win against Bayern Munich, 3-1, to one, to stay in third pl- place, to keep Borussia Mönchengladbach in third place. Uh, I mean, he's been in such great form. I got his inform card on FIFA. It's fun to use. I hope we can... Uh... We can see another goal from him in the Champions League this week. Yeah, that'd be great. I hope we can utilize his talent. I hope. You- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I hope Jurgen can actually do something with him. You so, know what? He could be a, a world-renowned winger by March. Yeah, maybe he's on his way to Barcelona. <laughs> yeah, I mean, wasn't he already linked there as a when he yeah, played as a, fullback? Yeah, as a fullback. I mean, I think he could move to like Dortmund. You know, or maybe like a an Arsenal. Yeah, that'd be pretty. I cool. mean, I mean, I mean it's, a a, it's a bit quick right now. But he's twenty-seven. Um, remember, this guy was on the U twenty-one German European Champions, and I think they won the German European Championship and the they might have won an under twenty World Cup. I can't remember which one it was, but that team with like Sammy Kadira and just a lot of yeah. great players. I mean, he's always been a great player. Um, that's why a few years ago, Jurgen Klinsmann said he's the best fullback in the Bundesliga. And look at what Jurgen's doing now, throwing him under the bus after games. Well, okay, he brought him back in, though. <laughs> he brought him back yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. So we got to utilize his talent. He's our best player right now. But John, be- John Brooks should be a starter, too, I think. Well. And jo- uh, what? You don't think so? Uh, I mean, uh, I, don't, I don't know. It's, it's, always, it's always weird because we see. You know, every other month, John Brooks loses his starting job and then gains it back. Yeah, but okay. Right, as of right now, he's playing really well, and we have three Americans in the Bundesliga consistently playing ninety minutes now for the last few weeks. Um, these two, Brooks and Johnson, and Alfredo Morales. But Alfredo Morales hasn't been in the national team really since they got promoted. I, I don't, <laughs> I don't understand the logic. Jurgen's like, well, they have to challenge themselves and go to Europe. Well, he's he's a 24-year-old midfielder, 25-year-old midfielder who's playing well for Ingolstadt in the Bundesliga, and he, he didn't even get a call-up. I, I just don't get it. Maybe, maybe we, want to, we want to keep Bobby Wood in the, in the second division. Yeah, maybe we do want to keep Bobby Wood in the second division. I just, it, I don't it would be crazy if we saw Fabian score uh, against Manchester City on Wednesday and in Bayern Munich within the span of days. I mean, I mean, I know that's a high hope, but I mean... He, he could. He's in form. He's in form. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach are eliminated. Uh, so that kind of sucks from advancing. 
in the Champions League. Yeah, they can. St- I mean, they can still fight for that Europa League. So yeah. I mean, yeah, but oh, for the third place spot. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It'll be interesting to see what they do if they if they go with a if if Fabian Johnson even plays, maybe give him a rest. Because yes, uh, you have to imagine, um, and, and the reason I know you might have disagreed. I know it was a huge goal for. John Brooks, but Fabian Johnson is... I, the reason I put him first is because they're in first place. They beat Bayern Munich, um, and if they didn't win that match, they would probably be out of the top four. So... Well, I mean, yeah. I guess but, it's but, the same it, thing. Yeah, Erta Berlin, yeah. <laughs> and they also caused Leverkusen more of a pain than Bayern Munich. I don't know if well, that John means Brooks anything. John Brooks was very but, good. Um, yeah. So... It was really a toss-up. It's 1A and 1B. I just think because... I mean, it's just Fabian Johnson's part of a three-goal match. I mean, they might have won anyway. Yeah, yeah but he's been he's been in form. Right, right. I understand. You know, put the goal scorer. You're just like any, every other analyst. Dude, they just... both scored goals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, but he's the attacker. Okay, so... <laughs> I, I just think that maybe we should both have our own list. No. I would rather just just be a critique of yours. Okay. So, actually, no, that's a good idea. What, both of us? And then, like, compare it? Yeah, we can do that. Yeah. I think we can come up with ideas, like, on the show while we're recording a lot. Yeah, well, okay. Yeah, that's true. We do do that a lot. Um... Are you uh, researching something over there? Yeah, I was just, I was going to look up uh, his, uh, his stats. Um, oh, no, I, but, I know I'm not discounting. I thought we were doing this. I thought you were doing this on like a week by week basis. I mean, okay, like, wow. John, I, I don't know why I didn't see this earlier. John Brooks had 13 successful s- switches of the field and 11 connections into the attacking half. So I was telling you, you had a great game. <laughs> yeah, besides just the goal. All right, you know what? Fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Last minute switch. Either way, I mean, they're both... It's great to see... It's it's great that we're even having this conversation. Like, a month ago, it was hard to even find five players who were playing in Europe. <laughs> yeah. Or abroad. I mean, Ventura Alvarado played 90 minutes in the League MX semifinals, actually. But they ended up losing. In the, I mean, they won the match, but they lost the overall tie. So, I was, I was kind of conflicted. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of different uh, jerseys that American fans can be can be excited about and buying because of how well they're playing in Europe. But don't forget about your Ambitious Strike t-shirts because they're probably more comfortable than those and <laughs> represent the game of soccer in the U.S. So uh, check out AmbitiousStrike.com to get a bunch of soccer-related merchandise. They're a great company. They sell women's tank tops, uh, t-shirts, uh, just just plenty of stuff. It's a great designed website. Um, and if you want to get 15% off on your entire purchase, then enter the code BROTHERS at checkout. Yeah, they're a great website. Um, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Uh, their whole mission is to be like a Hollister or a Hurley. Companies that started off as uh, surfer and skater companies, res- uh, respect respectively, and then you know became a casual casual wear. And that's what they want to do because these clothes aren't just for soccer fans. So that's why they're a great gift for friends and family who aren't necessarily soccer fans. They're just comfortable, great looking T-shirts. Um, so go check him out, ambitiousstrike.com, A-M-B-I-T-I-O-U-S-S-T-R-Y-K.com. The link, as always, is in the description. All right. Uh, yeah, we, we have nothing else uh, scheduled for this episode. Before we go, though, I just want to ask you, uh, Olympiakos in Greece, 
Uh, versus Arsenal, who's who's what's their result going to be? Arsenal needs a a, a win, right? Put, put a two a zero. Yeah, um, I think Olympiacos is going to get the win, two to one. I think I think they're going to draw actually, but Olympia. I mean, Olympiacos is going to advance, and Arsenal will go to the Europa League. You think so? Well, Arsenal's yeah. a good team. But you said Olympiacos win. Yeah, I think that's what I'm saying. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, okay. I'm saying you think you think they'll lose. No, no, I said I think they'll tie. Oh, you think they'll tie? Yeah. Yeah, no, I think yeah. Arsenal goes I think Arsenal, if Arsenal wins, do they go through on head-to-head? Yeah, I think that, I think it's a bit more complicated than that. Like, okay. I think that they can't win by just, like, any margin. Oh, they have to win by a, a certain margin. Yeah, not, not, yeah. Well, and if they don't win, like, 1-0, then they have to win, like, 3-1 or something like that. I just wanted to ask you if it was going to be a win-draw or a loss, but... You know. <laughs> well, the first time, Olympiacos beat Arsenal 3-2. to two. So, doesn't, on the road, I don't know. I, Champions League tiebreakers are confusing to me. Yeah. We'll, uh, head-to-head overrules. Um, we'll recap the match. Cool. You know, I have finals coming up this week, guys. Um, I am a college student. Sahil also has finals um, in high school. So, uh, we might not have another episode until maybe after then, maybe next, like, Wednesday or Thursday. Um, we'll try, though. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. MLS playoffs are over, so it's, I guess there's... We can talk about the Champions League and the big European matches. Um, but we, we should have one, especially before we go on vacation. Yeah, well, I think we're going to bring our stuff to, to uh, vacation, to, too. To Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah maybe we'll have an, some, a special interview. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe a couple. Maybe we'll get uh, Michael on too. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, t- uh, I'll text them. <laughs> I don't know why I'm talking about this on the show. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Some, someone left a review uh, for our podcast that it feels like you're talking right there with them, and it's casual. So yeah, you know, I think it's, it's, it's something well. unique. We're just we're Definitely. two regular guys. Well, yeah. Well, we're also we also know a lot. So well, yeah. I'm not saying. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, like, if you, if you miss a weekend of soccer, then don't even worry about watching TV or anything. Just listen to this for the rundown, and you'll be good, and you can impress all your friends. Yeah, and if you're new to soccer, we're great because we're not, you know, we're not, like, super technical. I think we do a good job of... Explaining everything. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all right, so we'll stop tooting our own horns. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. what That was kind of weird. I don't know why we did that. Yeah, but... Right. <laughs> no more MLS, man. No, no, don't mean to advertise more, but uh, we have an email for this podcast. It's soccerbrotherspodcast at gmail.com. We also have a Twitter. That's at soccerbrospod. My brother's at Twitter at BigTimeBrownie. My Twitter's at ASR underscore Sahil. Make sure to follow us or like if you're on SoundCloud or review or rate if you're on iTunes. Or Google Play. Don't forget our Google Players. Um, as always, all the information is in the description, so... Um, if you're looking for our Twitters, you can find it there. The description is there on iTunes, too, so you don't have to go to SoundCloud to see our description. Um, so, yeah. See you next time. Are you disappointed, Sahil, that it's over? MLS? Yeah. I just, disappointed. I mean, I, I mean, I knew it was going to end. Well, yeah, but, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm not going to miss it, but uh, it's going to be a, a lot less... Hectic for us, I think, on the bright side. 
Yeah, that's true. Shorter right. episodes, probably. Okay. Yeah, way shorter. All right. All right, we'll see you. Yep, we'll see you guys later. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank <laughs> you.